Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to episode 176 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about some marathon news and the Berlin Marathon. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational. And let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hey runners and welcome to episode 176. My name is Letty. My name is Ryan. And we are the hosts of the weekly marathon running podcast where we give you episodes with experts on nutrition, training, we do race recaps, we do news, and we bring you basically everything. So you can be rest assured you're going to have good information coming at you. And this week we're going to talk about the Berlin Marathon. We didn't actually run the Berlin Marathon, but there was a lot about the Berlin Marathon on the news. We have three interviews for you guys, one with an official of the Berlin Marathon, another one with Fartlek Fanatic who ran the Berlin Marathon. And then last but not least, we talked to Bottle Klaus, who is Elliot Kipchoge's official water bottle carrier. But before we do that, we're going to talk about some marathon news. So let's get right into it, Letty. Tell me about the news. You have some news about the Boston Marathon? I do. Last week, the Boston Athletic Association announced what the cutoff time is for the 2024 Boston Marathon. So for the people who don't know about the Boston cutoff time, can you explain how that works? Yeah, absolutely. So in order to run the Boston Marathon, you must run a certain time depending on your age group and your gender. So for anyone under the age group of 34, the qualifying time for a man is three hours and for a woman, three hours and 30 minutes. And it goes on for every single age group. So after that first age group, you have 35 to 39, 40 to 44, 44, 45 to 49, and so on. So if you run your marathon faster than that specific qualifying time, then you're eligible to apply for the Boston Marathon. Yeah, but if you apply, you're not guaranteed entry, right? That's right, Ryan. And that's where it gets a little bit more complicated. So there's a field size. The field size for the Boston Marathon is always 30,000. So that doesn't change. It doesn't matter if there's 20,000 applicants or like this year, 33,000 applicants. And the field size for the people that they take that have a qualifying time is always around 22,000. The other 8,000 spots go to charity runners. Boston actually has amazing charity programs for runners that want to go that route and they raise a ton of money. So this year, like I said, we had 33,000 applicants, 22,019 
qualified applicants were accepted. And what that means is there is a buffer. So the buffer is dependent on how many people apply. So if less than the total number of people that they can hold apply, then everyone would make it under those times. But if more people apply than the total number of racers that they're allowed on the course, the people with the slowest times will get cut. And that's the slowest time per age group. For each age group, there is a five minute and 29 second buffer this year. Meaning that if you are that 330 runner, you really had to run a 324 and 31 seconds. I did that math in my head really fast. <laughs> I almost said 71 seconds. Is, is that typical? There's typically a buffer. There's been buffers over the years, except for after COVID. The last two years, everybody that applied got in. And I think that must have been because of travel restrictions for other countries, insurance. And also for one of the years, people were required to show their vaccine cards and not everybody agrees with that. So congratulations to everyone that made it in. And we're really sorry. Our heart goes out for everybody who didn't get in, even though they made their qualifying times. I think that's, uh, you know, it's kind of sad that that happens. But anyway, so that's it for our marathon news for this uh, particular race. And let's move on to Berlin. We're going to do a little bit of a recap of the Berlin Marathon, even though we weren't there and we didn't run it. But there was so much on the news about it. I guess we're still talking news. We have a new world record holder for the Women's Marathon, and that is Tigis Asefa, who is from Ethiopia. She ran the Berlin Marathon in two hours, 11 minutes and 53 seconds. So that's pretty fast. How much of an improvement on the old record is that? I believe the old record was two hours and 14 minutes, so almost three minutes. And the next runner after her was Sheila Shepkiriu, and she came in at 2.17.49. So that's almost six minutes faster than the next lady. She was all alone out there running. Yeah, and she seemed to have a lot of energy at the end too, so... What are you getting at? I'm not getting at anything. I'm not implying anything. I'm just saying that was pretty amazing. And I just hope that this is a true record. You know, there's a lot of speculations. It's better not to make assumptions on anything, but you know, it is, I, you know, it does, it does raise a question because people are questioning it. Um, and the questions it raises is like, well, how do they, how do they check for people that are un, have an unfair advantage or are doping? Do they actually look at times or, you know, I know that we, I think, in the past have gone through where people further back in the pack that may be skipping or making their times faster by, you know, doing shady things, a lot of times they can find it out based on the different gaps in the time during their run and stuff like that. Like if they had splits that are a certain level, all of a sudden their splits got really short, then that makes them suspect. But then there are these other questions like how much is of it related to new shoes, which is legal, you know, if as long as their shoes were legal, um, versus how much of it is related to other things like illicit ways of doing it. Say the word, Ryan. Doping, things <laughs> like that. There's a lot of that in, I know that there has been in cycling and stuff and people would deny it, deny it, deny it, even in track and field. And then later it would come out that, you know, that they were doping or so, so. Uh, you never know. I mean, I guess you have to rely on the officials that take care of that to hopefully evaluate people and catch people that are cheating the best they can. Um, not saying that she is, like I said, you know, but uh, it'd be interesting to know 
how that process happens. And so we thought of the idea, why not trying to find one of those officials and see if we can talk to them? So I think that's going to be an upcoming podcast, right? Yes, we've been talking to the agencies, both of them, the US anti-doping agency, as well as the worldwide one to find out how the testing works for marathon runners in particular. And hopefully we'll be lining up an interview very soon so we can learn about it because information is key. We know that there is a talk about doping, but there's different kinds of doping. There's blood doping, there is EPO, there is all kinds of stuff. And when do they need to take what? And when are they tested? How often are they tested? Are they tested in their home countries? All that stuff. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. And what better way to find out the best information as we can is to go to the officials that are are looking for that every day. And hopefully they'll give us the best information we can find. Exactly. So I know you were talking with Ron earlier about Ron Tab as your training coach guy. He's also a really good friend. We've had him on the podcast before for people that don't know. He was an ex-marathoner that was, you know, Olympic quality. But you guys were talking back and forth about who is going to win the men's, right? And I know that there's Kachobi is obviously a contender at the time, but who was the other guy? The other guy was Amos Kipruto, also from Kenya. Um, Kipchoge took the race again, but this time he didn't set a new world record. He actually was a minute slower than his world record. He came in a two minute, whoa, two minutes would be fast. Two hours, two minutes and 42 seconds. And then Amos Kipruto came in at two hours, four minutes and 49 seconds. So it was a great race for them regardless. Yeah, that's crazy fast. That's really cool that, you know, he's, what was his world record time? I know he's, he was trying to fleet with that two hour barrier, but that was unofficial, right? Yeah, uh, 20109 is his that's world, his record. world record so far. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So he's only a minute off, which is, I mean, I'd pretty be happy with that. <laughs> yeah, no, he is happy with the results. And we were able to land an interview with his water bottle handler, Bottle Klaus from Germany. We've had him on the podcast previously. So we just did a quick chat with him to see how this race went and what is all going on in this episode. We also have a Berlin Marathon official, Thomas Steffens, who's also talked to us before after COVID about the marathon, who also gives us a little recap. And then we also talked to Fartlek Joe, who had big goals for this Berlin Marathon. And unfortunately, due to a lot of variables, such as the crowdedness of this race, and perhaps the weather, it didn't go as planned, but he has an amazing positive attitude and was able to turn it around and actually enjoy it for what it is, a run through a beautiful city. So we're going to talk to all three of those. So what do you think, Ryan? Which one should we hop into first? So since we were just talking about stats and numbers with the Boston Marathon, why don't you start with the race director? Sounds like a good plan. All right. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Thomas Steffens. Hi, Thomas. Thank you so much for coming back on my podcast on short notice, but I appreciate it anyway. And, uh, you know, just for the listeners that haven't ha heard you on our previous podcast, I think it was almost two years ago. Perhaps you can let our listeners know how, who you are and how you're associated or affiliated with the Berlin Marathon Marathon. Happy to be here. Well, uh, my name is Thomas Steffens. Um, I joined the company, which is staged the Berlin Marathon in 2007, and I left it at 2019, but I'm still affiliated with uh, the company and the club because it's two things. One is the club, um, 
athletics club with other other sports plus the event um the event agency which is staging the marathon actually so um i'm still consulting i'm on the board of the club so i'm still involved in the whole thing not totally and not on an everyday basis but um yeah i still uh, know quite a bit what's going on i have an official jacket which i which i wear here for the first time i didn't wear it on marathon day it was too warm so you see it's not my color my my the color i would choose but it's a it's the official volunteer jacket perfect well let's start with where you wear on sunday were you at the race or what were you doing on sunday i was actually in the finish line first i was at the start i took a friend and i, I gave her a tour of the whole thing so we went at the start uh waited there for the first wave to take off then walked to the finish line which is about a 20 minute walk and then spent time there uh all around the, the finish line area. That's awesome. And obviously you noticed the field size. Maybe you can tell us what the field size used to be because I know this year they've increased it, right? Yeah, it was um, this year it was uh, 47, almost 48,000 uh, registered runners, uh, which is up again after the COVID break. We had a COVID break in 220 as many other marathons didn't take place. In 219, we had the highest ever uh registered uh, uh runners number which was let me see i think it was let me da, 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 43,900 finishers which was about 49 or 50,000 registered runners so we're almost back at the at the uh, numbers uh before covid and does that in your opinion affect the race because a lot of runners were saying that they felt like the race was very congested some of the streets have the bottlenecks where it gets more narrow um what do you guys think about that yeah i heard about that um well normally uh the procedure is going that way that they have several corals uh, the first start is at 9 15 and the last start the last coral is taking off at like 10 30. So it takes about one and a half hour almost till every last runner has left the starting line. Um, there are some uh, spots which are narrow for construction works and stuff like that. So maybe it was a little more than uh, the years before, like last year, there were not so many runners. Um, but um, it's also due to uh, the runners uh, who are not um taking off in the right coral so it's a mixture of both it's a lot of people and it, and the streets are not as wide as uh in the states right all right so let's talk about the protest apparently there was a protest maybe tell us what it is because a lot of people haven't heard about it i've only heard about it from a couple of people yeah well that's a that's something we're happening here in Germany, especially in Berlin, where the capital, this is where everything happens. This is where the media is. And that's where those people are taking and doing their actions. They are they are blocking the streets, uh, young people mostly. And they had announced that they wanted to disturb the marathon, which is strange in a way because they're fighting for climate and runners are running and not. We are, we are now we're cleaning the streets of cars in that day for many hours. So wouldn't be a reason to do something but all they want is they want uh the cameras and they want to do something uh that is taking uh that is in the public eye uh but um 
they tried to do it right before the start, but it took about 15 to 20 seconds to take him away because, well, you know, this is the area where there are the most police, the most uh, security people. So um, it was, uh, it was, uh, they were, cl- they were taken away very, very immediately and they didn't disturb the race in its going. And they were trying to pour paint on the road. Is that what oh, it yeah. they, 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 they sprayed paint on the Brandenburg gate last week, which uh, is very hard to take away. They spray paint to all kinds of buildings. You know what they do. They, they uh, demolish um, um, pictures in the, in the museums and all that stuff, not only in Germany. Yeah. That's been very, very naive. Yeah, it's unfortunate that that even came up. But luckily, you know, you guys had your security in place, so that didn't really affect the Yeah, rate. and they didn't get the attention uh, they, they, they thought they would get, but probably, of course, the, the news were there. But in the live coverage, there was... Uh, there was almost nothing to see about that. Perfect. So, all right. So from you guys' team, when you debriefed the marathon, what are some things that you thought were really successful? And what were some things that you guys felt like you should be working on for next year? Because next year we have the big uh, Jubilee 50th anniversary. Yeah. I, c- I can't go very deep into that because I'm not a member of the team anymore. So I'm not sitting together with them when they have their debriefing and the debriefs have not yet uh, been uh, uh, finished, but um, all I can say is: so uh, we talked about uh, the 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 narrow roads and st- stuff like that. You can't change that. You can't. Uh, uh, you won't change the course uh, because roads in Germany, you know, streets in Germany, are not that wide in some parts. So um, they have to think about probably how to. To get the field going, maybe spread it, spread it a little further apart. But uh, I can't go in depth because I haven't been part of any debrief at this point. All right, let's let me ask one more question about the fiftieth anniversary that'll happen next year. What can you tell our runners that we have to look forward to? Is there any mm-hmm. special planning that will be happening, or how are they? Oh, gonna- yes. Lots of planning, but no news. Lots of planning, and I think um, they won't deliver any news before the beginning of next year. They have a trailer out now, which you can watch at the uh, the website. Go to the Berlin Marathon website. They have this 50th anniversary trailer. Uh, of course, it's a big thing, and, and there will be some special things, not only on Marathon Day, but in the days before. Maybe some cultural events and some other events. Um, I could imagine that a few of the former winners will be there. That would make sense. We did that at the 40, at the 40th um, anniversary. But there will be some more things because it's the 50th and the 50th is a special one, of course. Yeah, it's the golden anniversary. So <laughs> that'll be awesome. All right. So we can look forward to maybe, um, I don't know, I'm just speculating. Maybe Adidas will have gold in their jackets for that time. Who knows? Shoes for everybody. <laughs> be nice. Registration has started, I think, yesterday, and it's going. It's going to last until November 16th. So there's the it's a ballot where you register, and then uh, the lottery starts, and then um, some happy runners. Uh, some will be happy, some will not be happy, but there are always uh, other ways to get into the race, like charities. Uh, um, but uh, all these informations you will find on the website, of course. Thank you so much, Thomas. For you're so welcome. Have a nice weekend. 
All right. Thank you, Thomas, for all the insight. I think that's always a good way to start. You know, you get the stats and the numbers. Um, but next, let's hear from Fart Lake Joe. All right. So I'm back on with Fart Lake fanatic Joe Willie Walker. Joe, can you introduce yourself for our audience that haven't heard about you yet? Hey, everybody. I'm glad to be on today. My name is Joe Willie Walker. Um, I go under the handle Fartlek Fanatic on Instagram and all of my other social channels. And uh, I've been running uh, endurance races for probably about a decade now. Uh, several marathons under my belt and even more half marathons. Uh, I can't even count. But uh, I'm currently chasing the six uh, world majors. And um, they're probably going to add a seventh one uh, soon, which is what I'm hearing. But uh, I'm going to continue chasing them until I get them all. So uh, I'm glad to be here with you all to discuss the uh, Berlin Marathon, which I just ran five days ago. Yes, you did. And you're fresh back in the States. Congratulations. Welcome back. And let's dive right into that because I know that you have watched your training. I know what you're capable of. And you didn't really run your goal time. You still had a great time. But maybe tell us. A little summary about why do you think you didn't hit your goal pace for that race? Well, you know, uh, this was my first international race. So it was my first time going over the pond and, and uh, trying to get everything logistically planned out for a successful race. And um, I did have I did have a goal in mind. I had I had a pace strategy and I was hoping to hit it because, you know, Berlin is known to be fast and uh but whenever I took off, I ran about halfway through the marathon at my goal pace and I was hitting consistent negatives until a little after the halfway mark, I realized it was going to be really tough to hit that goal. And the main reason was because it was severely crowded. Um, and that, that led to you being mentally on high alert at all times, uh, making sure you weren't going to step on somebody or trip someone or get tripped by someone. And, uh, so then I've made the call at that point to just kind of sit back in cruise control and enjoy the entire second half of the marathon. Um, I quit pushing and, and I just set into a, a comfortable pace to where I can experience it all, take in the scenery and uh, just enjoy the overall atmosphere. Yeah, that's what I realized. You were one of the people that I was tracking. And it wasn't just you who had that opinion about it being congested. This year, Berlin had almost 48,000 runners. And the streets, as you know, are narrow. So was that what it was? Or were there other aspects that made it so crowded? Or I guess I'm asking, why was it so crowded? In what way? Well, um, I, I quickly realized from the start of that morning that the the overall marathon was crowded in, in several different aspects. And that, that started with the um, getting to the winter circle in the morning and getting everything ready and seeing the crazy long lines for the porta potties. Um, they had, they had people that were in line for the porta potty for over an hour. Some that didn't even get to go because they realized that the race was about to start and they were running out of time. Um, so at that point, I realized, okay, are they were they not prepared for almost forty eight thousand runners, or like how how did this how did we end up in this situation where there wasn't quite enough porta potties for the amount of people there, um, which also led to the corral, which was extremely crowded. But I'll I'll lead I'll lead into um, how we got from the porta potties to the corral. So uh, so we are waiting thankfully thankfully i didn't need to use the porta potty i um 
I was able to use the bathroom at my hotel and I was fine after that. Um, but I saw the porta potty lines and they were the longest I had ever seen. So later on, I'm, I'm starting to look for where my corral is. So I'm looking at the signs. I'm trying to find which path I have to take because you go through the park and down some of the park trails to get to your corral where the main road is. And uh, I'm in corral C for this race. And I noticed that A, B, C, D, and E were all part of wave one. So all of us went one direction and they had one entrance for all those corrals for wave one. And uh, it was one trail through the park area. And as we're going through the park area, uh, the trail is extremely crowded, but I also start to notice to my left and right that runners are using the bathroom throughout the park, in the woods, behind trees, behind bushes. I mean, they're going number one and number two on all sides of you. Um, <laughs> this this also made me reflect back on, okay, these people waited forever for a porta potty and never got to go into one. And we are about 15 minutes out from the start. We're going down this trail to funnel into this one little opening to get to corrals A, B, C, D, and E. And it's a lot of runners. Uh, so they did what they had to do. They, uh, they, they pulled off to the side and pulled their pants down and they used the bathroom in the park. Um, so that was, uh, quite the experience. Uh, but we continued to kind of trek along. I got into the corral and I get there. And like I said, it's about 15 minutes before the start. So of course I, they closed the gates on us. Um, but it was a little fence that you had to hop over, but, the corral itself for corral C was so shoulder to shoulder tight that if I jumped the fence, I didn't have a spot to land. I was going to land on top of somebody. So I had to, uh, me and several other people. I mean, there was, there was probably 50 of us that were trying to get into corral C by jumping the fence. And we had to ask people to, Hey, can you smash over or just kind of scoot about two feet or maybe three feet so I can have a slot to jump into whenever I get over this fence. And that's pretty much what it was. We, uh, we, we were able to climb the fence, had enough room to jump down, jump down, got there. And you were pretty much breathing down someone's neck. And uh, like I said, in one of my, one of my Instagram reels, if you needed to tie your shoe at that point, while you're in the corral, you were not going to do it because you didn't have enough room to bend down. And, uh, and that that pretty much that same feeling of being crowded uh, lasted throughout the duration of the race as well. So um, not just the corrals and the porta potties, but also on the streets for the entire 26.2 miles. Are you looking for the perfect apparel that mirrors your love for running? Look no further than Run Swag, the go to store by runners for runners. From witty tees to hoodies that commemorate your marathon majors to crops that get you motivated, Run Swag's got you covered. Discover the perfect blend of comfort and style. Visit www.runswag.com. Run Swag, there's something for every runner. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Boston, as you know, is has pretty narrow roads. And this year's Boston also, I, I can see why they cap it at 30,000 people just because it's so narrow in the streets that you're literally shoulder to shoulder. I think the only way you could really solve that is if you had some kind of rolling start like they did that one year, because that was beautiful. You could just be in the buses, but you were forced to be with you within your group of how fast you run. They were very strict on checking your bids. So do you think... That's another thing that could have happened, that there was a lot of runners that shouldn't have been in the corral with you or with each other that were just trying to run faster? Um, that is a possibility uh, because the corrals were just, uh, they were all bumped up in, against another down the street. So, you know, if, if corrals, you know, D and E behind me had runners that felt as though they can run faster and they needed to get with the pace groups in C, they could have just walked kind of up and just kind of worked their way up toward the next corral. Um, there was no divider in between the letters. So ultimately, once you were on that street and you were in the corrals, you could have made your way all the way up to B if you wanted to. But you would have had to have been able to do so early enough um, to where you can walk your way up and kind of work your way between the people. Because like I said, I, I got there 15 minutes before the start and once you were in that spot, you weren't moving. You, it was it was so packed. But like I said, that might have just been the the compression of all of the other letters and the other corrals behind you kind of moving forward as well. And then tell me about the water stops, because I had that experience that you were talking about, too, about almost slipping and falling because they use plastic cups, even though Germany is my country. We're really good with recycling everything. I don't understand why they use water cups. They say it's reusable water cups, but come on, <laughs> it's a race. Yeah, yeah. These weren't being reused for sure. I mean, uh, whenever you pass the water stop, there were plastic cups smashed all over the road. They were not reusing these cups, for sure. Um, but overall, like whenever whenever the gun went off, we took off. And, you know, typically with a race, the very beginning is crowded and you and you expect it to kind of let up and it starts to space out as the race goes along. Well, this one, you know, three miles in, still crowded, five miles in, still crowded. And it just continued to where um, you were pretty much on, on high alert mentally the, to, at all times to make sure that you weren't going to step on somebody's foot or, or somebody else trip you from behind or from the side or something like that. And then uh, it, it, it restricted you from going faster, so to say, because it took a lot of effort and expending a lot of energy to try to pass people up and kind of weave your way through the crowd. So, um, so that slowed down the pace groups, you know, uh, to an extent, but what really slowed down the groups was the water stops. So every time that you got to a water stop with a plastic cup, you can't, you can't squeeze the cup like you can with paper and continue to run your seven minute, seven, 15 minute pace while drinking, uh, it just doesn't happen. A plastic cup, I mean, you, you, you try to do that and you're just pouring the water all over your face um, and not drinking as much as you would like. So what happened was people 
started to realize that and they would actually get their cup and they would slow down to an eight or nine minute pace to drink their water and then throw it to the side and then speed up again. So that ended up being congestion. And, um, and it, and it really did every, every runner I spoke to said that the water tables, the water stops slowed them down tremendously. Um, and, and part of that's also because you have to be cautious to make sure you aren't going to step on one of those cups. Because if you stepped on one of the plastic cups with the pavement being wet in that area, you were going to slip. It was it was very, very slippery. Um, so, I mean, from a liability standpoint, I would be worried about that because it was it would it was easily done because I saw several runners that actually slipped. Thankfully, I did not. Um, I kind of kept my feet low as I crossed through those areas to make sure that I was kicking the cups out of the way rather than stepping on them. So, uh, so that was another, another hurdle that, um, that I think could have easily been solved if they just used paper cups and recycled them. Yeah, that's a lot to have to be aware of, especially when you're running fast. And I think that's kind of what it boils down to, unless you're in that elite corral where you have all the space in the world, all the support in the world, then for a race this packed, it's almost like you just want to run it for fun and not try to PR, which is, you know, not really what we train for when we go through our training cycles. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. So, uh, yeah, I had a goal for, for Berlin cause it's known to be a fast course, you know, and, and I had, I mean, my Garmin was set where I had my splits and which miles I was going to hit splits and, you know, kind of drop the hammer to go faster and whatnot. And, um, I was, I was keeping up with them until, um, around mile 15, whenever I was supposed to drop again to like a six fifty, And I realized that that wasn't going to happen. Um, and at that point I was, I, I kept trying to hit it. I kept trying to hit it, but I kept getting slowed down, uh, by, by other factors. So that's whenever I basically, um, I basically turned off my workout that I had programmed into my Garmin. And I said, you know what? I'm, I'm missing the opportunity to actually soak in this marathon and enjoy what's around me, the beauty of the architecture, the city, the crowd. Uh, so at mile 15 or so, I, that's whenever I just said, all right, let's, let's sit back. Let's put it in cruise control. Let's just, let's just coast our way through the rest of this marathon and let's enjoy what's going on around me because it was, I mean, it was awesome what was going on around us. Uh, the crowds were amazing. So at that point, I started getting to where I would, I was stopping to shake hands with little kids. I was dancing with the crowds on the side of the road. Uh, I started interacting with everybody a lot more and just really enjoying that second half of the marathon without, you know, the, the, the stress of trying to achieve something that was actually very difficult to achieve given the situation. So that's a learning lesson for all of our listeners that, you know, when you realize your race is not going the way you want it to go, it's sometimes okay to just let go and then focus on the beautiful side of it because you know how fast you are. You know what your goal is and what you can reach. But if the conditions don't align with that, then what's the point? Rather make it a good day than trying to be miserable and getting some half done goal, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I could have I could have continued to hack away at it and try to hit that goal, but I think it would have just led to me being frustrated more than anything. So instead of that, I I chose to just turn it around and say, let's make this a moment of joy and and accomplishment in the fact that 
we're here, we're running the Berlin Marathon. We got accepted into this race to run it, and we want to be able to soak it in and remember as much as we can. So, yeah, at that point, I, I, I stopped looking at the ground and the runners in front of me, and I just started looking up more, and I started to look at the buildings and the architecture and pretty much the beauty that was surrounding me. And uh, and it was nice. It was. So there, there will be other races that I can run really fast that, that just wasn't going to be the day. Okay, so before I ask you what your redemption race is and when it is, tell me who you think the Berlin Marathon is for. Would you run it again? If so, under what circumstances? And what can the race directors and people in charge do to improve this race? Oh, well, I, my number one solution would have been to decrease the field size. Um, the only thing I could think is for number one, uh, get more porta potties. Uh, get it set up so that these runners can get themselves prepared and ready before the race without any issues or, or a hassle uh, trying to use the bathroom. Um, number two, the only thing I could think is the way that they roll out the corrals and how much time is spaced between the two, uh, just to give a little bit more of a gap on the roads and give a little bit more space in between the different pace groups uh, with, with hopes that it, it just, you know, allows for a little bit more room to breathe while racing. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Those are some great points. And um, so, yeah, let's hear what's your redemption race. Are your legs fresh enough to have it soon? Or do you feel like you lost out on this training cycle? Well, um, I'm going to, I'm going to maintain the aerobic fitness that I have and the endurance that I've built. Um, I had, well, I do have um, a registration for CIM that I could run in December, December 3rd. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to kind of step back and do a full reset, start focusing on strength work, start, start focusing on more speed work, um, become a stronger, more efficient overall runner uh, as we approach the holidays. And I actually just signed up for the Houston Half Marathon. So I'm going to be chasing a fast half in January in Houston. And I just found out that the New York Roadrunners just announced that 2024 will be the last year that they accept a half marathon time qualification to get into the New York City Marathon. So this will be the last last chance to enter and get accepted into the New York city marathon by way of a half marathon qualifying time. So of course I looked at it and I said, okay, what do I have to do to get into New York city? I need to run a sub 125 half marathon. So I was like, okay, I can do that. I think I can do that. So, um, so that's the goal to try to get faster. I feel like this past uh, training block, I increased my mileage significantly and I didn't focus on speed as much. I just built an aerobic engine more than anything. And I feel like I lost a little bit of speed. So I'm looking to get that back. And I'm going to achieve that by chasing that fast half in January. And then following that, I have the Eugene Marathon at the end of April it's in Eugene, Oregon. Okay, so that's, that's great. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess... For some people, the high mileage works miracles. I'm, I'm one of them where, you know, you cut back on speed and then that high mileage does something. But for others, 
it doesn't, I don't know, but I wish you good luck with all of it. I can't wait to see uh, how, how everything turns out. I'm sorry about Berlin because I know how fast you are. I've seen your workouts online. And so it, it is a bummer, but I'm glad that you made something good out of it and you enjoyed your experience. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there was, there was a silver lining in it and, you know, you just have to find it. And, uh, and I was able to do that, thankfully. And, um, and you're right, you know, the high mileage, it, every athlete is different. And some of them, you know, the, the, the really high mileage works for them. And some of us, um, like myself, I think that it's still a relatively high mileage, but not as high and, uh, and kind of setting enough time aside to do strength training and a little bit more focus on speed work. So I think that that's going to be a good mixture for me moving forward. I mean, after all, you're a fart like fanatic. You're not, you're not high mile fanatic. So <laughs> that's it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Give me a fart like any day and I'll, I'll enjoy it. So. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Joe. And tell our listeners if they want to follow you on Instagram and see all your amazing posts that you have almost daily, how they can find you. Yes. On Instagram, you can find me at fart like fanatic. It's just okay. straightforward. Spell that straight through. And, uh, And, you know, I'm, I'm on there pretty much daily. Um, I interact with everyone. So if you have questions or anything, just feel free to reach out and I'll definitely get back to you. Perfect. And we'll link your profile. And thank you so much for coming on. Awesome. Thank you, Letty. I always enjoy talking to you. All right. Thank you, Joe, for this recap and your positive attitude. And last but not least, we're going to close out this podcast with a little bit from... Bottle Klaus, Klaus Henning Schulke, Iliad Kipchoge's personal water bottle carrier. So here we go. And I'm going to switch to English for our listeners now. Yes. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> yes, it was a very, very exciting weekend for me, or the last couple of weeks have been very exciting for me, because this year, first time, we had a team of over 50 volunteers for the elite nutrition, and I had to organize it. And uh, the high uh, point was um, Elliot Kipchoge back in town. Uh, I um, yes, I kept him from the airport on Tuesday, and uh, wow. And we saw us after one year, like friends meet each other. And uh, I had a little gift for him. Um, yes. And the next time I saw him was on Sunday. And um, yes, he did an excellent performance there. So let me step back just a little bit. So you met him at the airport. First of all, what was the gift? <laughs> oh, uh, two, uh, two things: uh, flowers, <laughs> and uh, I did a race across America this year. It's a cycle race from uh, Annapolis to um, from Oceanside to Annapolis, and I uh, gave him the team jersey. So after his career, he has to shift on bicycle racing with my jersey, hopefully. <laughs> That'll be awesome. <laughs> Maybe at that point you'll be carrying your bottles. But um, let me go back a little bit more. So the video of you greeting him at the airport, we have that. It's on our Instagram and we tagged you in it too because it was such a beautiful video of you two reuniting. And then you said you didn't see him till Sunday. And I guess at this point, your position in the Berlin Marathon, you are in charge of nutrition, you mentioned. Yes. 
Yeah, um, he was locked by his management for four days. Nobody was able to meet him because he just uh, should focus uh, on uh, on his job. And we have so much routine. Meanwhile, that we didn't have to practice our uh, handover, so it was absolutely okay. Uh, that he should focus on his job, on his running. And uh, and 7.30 in the morning, we met with our team. And at 9.15, the start pistol went off. And uh, yes, and the athletes uh, did uh, their running. Super. Now, yeah. Okay, Bono Klaus, you are in charge of nutrition for 50,000 people, basically. Tell me what goes into that. And then also maybe tell us why... Germany uses plastic cups because I slipped on one two years ago when I ran a race and apparently the plastic cups are still there. <laughs> yeah, so many questions. Okay. But the uh, first one, um, plastic cups. Uh, this year they used uh, reusable plastic cups so they can be washed in a washer and then reused next year or for another event so uh, uh, it's, this is in the sense of sustainability a much uh, a big improvement uh, in this um, in this event and um you may have noticed that the climate protesters try to um, disturb the start. Uh, but uh, this event is one of the cleanest on the whole planet. So I'm not, um, I do not understand these people uh, to um, disturb such a big event, peaceful event, and also sustainable event why they have to do this uh, uh, action to, to um, yes, I don't know what, what is their intent. So um, I'm, not, I'm not too deep <laughs> in the event management, but I just have a focus on my elite nutrition and there oh. I can say, uh, they prepared about uh, no my 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 main job as an engineer for uh, building construction. So <laughs> I just uh, spend about um, eighty hours to prepare my team of the fifties for the elite nutrition. Um, uh, but what I can say that they offer uh, water and energy gel and energy drinks to comfort the um, athletes, but this uh, is focused on the on the uh, normal athletes. But uh, the elite um, athletes, they have this special uh, nutrition offer and they prepare about 600 bottles on the Saturday afternoon. And these bottles were put into boxes. And on each eight station, there is a box for each within the bottles for each athlete. And we pick up 
the bottles which are signed by name and uh, the aid station so that we can find the right bottle and the right athletes and do this handover to the right uh, man or woman. Okay, so that's kind of interesting for us because, you know, we as regular runners, we just grab whatever we can. But when you're at that elite level, do they each have their own preferences of what they want to drink? And then also, does every elite runner then have an assigned person from your group of 50 that makes sure they hand it to them? Or do they still have those tables yeah. that we see in many races? Yes, yes, that's uh, that's uh, the point. In, uh, in the morning, Sunday morning, 7.30, uh, before the start, we do a lottery, so each one of the volunteers can um, get one of the very, very A um, athletes or the B athletes, so we do not know before, except bottle clouds who was asked by the management of Elliot to do this job again. Uh, and also, Safa, uh, the volunteer of 2022, was also volunteering her uh, in this year. But um, at the end, we do a lottery, and um, just after the lottery, our volunteers know who are supporting which athlete and then we because we often do not know the face of the athlete we check the internet how he is looking like and so the transmission the handover is uh, running properly hopefully we don't know but uh, we have at all about 600 uh, handovers and i think this year maybe 20 were uh, missed or uh, failed Uh, but the most uh, went proper and uh, the athletes are free to take the drink or not to take it. Um, but we have excellent conditions. This year was dry. It was in the beginning 15 degrees in the, um, at the end of the race and I had 80, 90 degrees Celsius. Oh, sorry, I can't count it in Fahrenheit, but um, you have to check this. And um, yes, so each volunteer got his or her athlete and uh, is um, volunteering him throughout the distance of and the last uh, station is a K, uh, kilometer 40 so this is where our job ends but one volunteer and one athlete okay perfect so then i'm picturing everyone doing the same job you're doing but you actually have a bike And you take your bike and go to the next aid station. So can you maybe tell us how far those aid stations are apart? What route you take? Obviously, you're not driving on the course. But then also do the yeah. other volunteers ride their bikes as well? Yes, that's true. We have 15 volunteers and 15 bikes, uh, 50 bikes. And we hop from one aid station to the other. And uh, they are apart about 5K. And starting from 17.5, Elliot asked us to lower this distance, not 5K, but 2.5K, because he wants to keep his level of energy 
for the second half of the, uh, the event. And we offer this special, um, uh, yes, this, uh, this uh, special, um, uh, or how do we call it in Germany? Uh, but we offer it for all the athletes so they can have 13 times a bottle, but not all, maybe 20% will still uh, got eight eight stations, but the most take 13 eight stations to keep their level of um, of energy. And what is in the, uh, that was the next question, what is in the bottles? Uh, the most athletes prefer a mix of maltodextrine and fructose, which a different uh, producers offer. And um, yes, it's maybe a bit of consistence of uh, geel. And uh, I think we had some athletes from Japan and they prefer um, a liquid made of algaes, which is green and uh, doesn't uh, looks interesting for me, but uh, each um, athlete can put their own recipe the day before in their bottles. They're absolutely free to put whatever they like into the bottles. They can just put in water, but the most take uh, energy. That's so interesting. I think it's super interesting that they that he, Elliot Kipchoge, lowered the amount of, I mean, heightened the amount of stops so he could have more of that energy. Yeah. So from those bottles, I know we've seen them in pictures, but how much do they really consume? Do you think they drink the whole thing or how much do they drink out of that? No, 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 no. And they are not filled up. Uh, uh, I think in uh, his bottle has a size maybe of uh, 200 milliliters. Um, but I think he just uh, drink 30 or 50 milliliters each time. I think otherwise uh, his uh, digestions will be too much affected by the drink. And he should focus on running and not on... Uh, on digesting so um i think this is the strategy and maybe he knows his body very well and he can um he's drinking as much as he need in this special situations okay so 2.5 kilometers is the distance that goes pretty quick how do you manage that yes <laughs> <laughs> yes, I prepare the whole year in cycling, cycling, cycling to to pass all the uh, management and the timekeepers and um, uh, the 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 camera uh, cars, uh, media cars. So it's really really short distance, and uh, at the end I have just about thirty seconds on the next station to find Elliot's bottle to be on the right spot on the right table, and uh, to to um, stay on the on the side of the track to pass him <laughs> the bottle. But uh, you can be sure after after this race. I'm heading home and have a little nap because I'm absolutely down. <laughs> oh my! Oh my! Energy was put into Elliot's support. So uh, Sunday afternoon, I'm absolutely down. 
13 times sprinting to the next aid station. So that's an interval training for me. For me, it's always a chase to get there on the right time. <laughs> you should have picked a slower runner. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, maybe with 60, I will do it. <laughs> right. And then let me just ask you one more question in regards to what happened after the race? Did you get to hang out with Elliot? Did he say thank you? How did he show his appreciation for your services? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, uh, last year when he did the record 20109, we had not the opportunity to see us after the race because he was absolutely knocked out and just had to sleep and relax to recover again. But this year, accidentally, we met in the, uh, um, uh, in, the uh, in the Finnish area, but it was really accidentally. <laughs> and we looked us in our eyes and I give him a really big hug and uh, I hope he can breathe again. But um, yes, uh, I think uh, his management uh, gave, uh, sent me some very nice pics of this occasion. So uh, your audience may look into the Instagram and you can find these pics. So um, he calls me his friend and hero. So this makes me very, very proud. But uh, he is my hero because he is not one of the top athletes. He is also a very, very... For me, um, yes, he is my hero because he has so many positive aspects. He is running very positive through this world. And uh, he is so positive if he says no human is limited. That shows, I think, that um, it's... My, um, I don't know how to say this in English, but... Uh, it seems to me that he's a very wise man, and uh, that's why I like uh, Ed Elliott. That's awesome. Well, and did the team reach out to you? Are you going to maybe travel to some other races with him to hand the bottle, or is that not on the table? <laughs> yes, I told you, my main job as an engineer so i have not been asked yet and uh, unfortunately in paris it's not allowed to to uh, work as a bottle clause of the course so i haven't been asked yet but my focus on the main or the most weekends is training for myself for my um, goals and next year i will come to the u.s again and do the bike race called Race Across America and do another 5,000k uh, or 3,000 miles from the West Coast to the East Coast. So I focus also on my events. So maybe if his management was asked for help for another event, um, I will be glad to help him, but uh, my... Uh, I'm living in Berlin and uh, I'm not such a big a traveler. So uh, I feel very comfortable like it is. And if you just have one highlight a year and which, which is for me, the Berlin marathon. So it's okay for me. All right. Thank you, Klaus. Thank you, Klaus.
Best regards from Berlin. I think he's the epitome of what we are looking for with the Marathon Running Podcast, just someone being very positive and inspiring, and hopefully that's what we can try to bring to the runners. I agree with you, and good luck this year, Klaus, at your race across America with your biking. I hope that keeps you in shape for another amazing performance at the Berlin Marathon, racing your bike around the elites. And hopefully we will be attending the 50th anniversary of the Berlin Marathon, which is next year. As Thomas mentioned, you guys can apply online right now on the Berlin race website until November 16th and try to secure your ticket there. There's a lottery and then there's the qualifying times. So you might want to check that out. The time qualifier for the women has changed. It used to be a lot faster, but now it's more inclusive. I know it's still super fast, but you know, it's, it's better than before. So if you want to go to Berlin, give it a try, go in with an open mind, go in for the experience and just have fun with it. Everyone should try to pick a marathon and, and race it just for fun. Maybe listening to the podcast, people can be inspired to run another one. That's right. So that's it. That's it for this episode. Good luck to Letty, who's running this weekend, and to all the other marathoners who are in the Chicago Marathon. We'll do a race recap, I'm sure, of Chicago when Letty gets back. Yes, and to everyone that's running, reach out to me if you want to link up. I'll be attending a few shakeout runs, so if you need ideas for it, you can find me on Instagram. We are at Running Podcast. And with that, have a great week of running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information and marathon running news, please head to www.marathonrunningpodcast.com and we'll be back next week.